never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Hi guys, welcome back to Neff Inspiration, my show on YouTube and as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. Today is another fantastic day because I get to talk to Jay Staples. Jay, like me, is a man who is out there to make this world a better place um, because he has been in the darkness. Um, he has tried to drown his sorrows and had to figure out that these little critters swim um, so they don't drown very well. Um, so here we are. We both are now out there to share some of the lessons that we had to learn the hard way. So therefore, it's going to be a pretty much a, a very interesting discussion. Jay, I'm, I'm very glad to have you on my show. Welcome. Well, honored to be here. I'm excited. Uh, anytime we uh, talk about me and hope at the same time, um, I'm excited. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm open, I'm transparent. And so anything uh, that people hear in my background or us two talking, I hope if we can just change one person's life. That's all you can do every single day. So I'm excited to be here. Touche. Brilliant. Wow. When did your love affair or hate affair with alcohol start? Oh, I mean, I would tell you that it was uh, in college when I was 18 years old, my first night in college. But uh, just whether the, the brain is a tricky thing. And so the brain kind of wants to wants to. Uh, wants to trick you and so uh there was some some pill abuse in in high school or something i never drank alcohol but uh i was i was looking for something other than you know what it felt like to be me and so uh the first time i really kind of uh showed signs was the very first night in college passed out and kind of made a fool of myself and um but yeah it, it, it was going on into late teens and and went all the way into early 30s so hmm. um it it started when i was 18 quickly escalated uh quickly uh because i was i knew looking back on it i was so desperate to get outside of myself as a as a kid um if if for whatever reason they introduced drinking or or whatever uh, to me earlier, I probably would have started doing it when I was, you know, five, six years old or something. I just mm -hmm. never felt comfortable with who I was. If I said, did you ever figure out the reasons or the the things that led to you not feeling comfortable in yourself? Yeah, I, I just, uh, you know, you have a. I mean, I, my family is amazing. I'm the youngest of three. I got two older brothers uh, and, you know, typical older brother stuff. And, you know, they they always had my back. But, you know, they were probably my two biggest critics. And, you know, whether trying to get on the basketball court or the, the backyard football game, I mean, they, they probably were a little rougher with their younger brother and sometimes mm -hmm. didn't want to. Uh, include little little Jay running around trying to to be like their big brothers, but you know, and a successful dad. Um, I don't, I couldn't tell you as a, at a young age. I can tell you like when when I got into my mid teens and and kind of going into college, like there was this thought of I just projected everyone else's uh, thoughts, opinions, beliefs, you know, into me, um, and started thinking. You know, I started living according to other people, like what the mm. what the the girl you know, I was trying to ask to prom what she would like, how, how would she like me to dress? And what would she like me to say? And my mom and dad, you know, like, what, what do they want me to do? So, and, you know, we're always playing, you know, I always, I was, I was wanting the a projection of what others wanted. Um, and I never knew, I never got to know who Jay truly authentically was. So I think that was the biggest thing. Oh, fuck me. I got flashbacks here. <laughs> I was I was saying exactly the same thing. I remember saying that to a girlfriend. Who do you want me to be? I remember that when I was, I don't know, 13, 12, 13, 14. My goodness. Okay, we don't just have the same haircut, man. Um, okay. And but then again, that's isn't that 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 the the oh the journey that every teenager takes. Which teenager is happy in their skin? My goodness, I, I, it's very rare that we see that uh, nowadays, for sure. And nowadays, we've got names for it, like anxiety disorder and, and things like that. Uh, I, I think it, uh, one or two generations back that, yeah, you were just you, and you tried to make the most out of it. Man, God. 
when you had the first drink, can you actually remember that? Or were you so passed out that that the whole thing was gone? Matt, no, I mean, it. Uh, so I went down to, I grew up in Wisconsin, which is the Midwest in the United States, and going down to Mississippi um, with the good old boys. And I, I remember, like, I remember looking out the dorm room, watching my my dad drive away, who drove me down. Um, and that was really kind of, I just remember having this, I'm free and I'm scared to death. And, you know, it wasn't about five minutes later, hooting and hollering happened, you know, everyone was down in the lobby of like the i think every 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 floor had a lobby and um you know everyone was sitting around a table and hooting and hollering and it was probably four in the afternoon um they started playing drinking games and you know this boy from wisconsin wanted to fit in desperately when you know walked down oh, casually oh yeah introduced myself and you know they asked me my name and where i'm from and if i drank and you know of course I was never going to be authentic. Like, no, I, you know, I don't drink. Sorry. It's heck. Yeah. I, you know, and sat down and, and I still remember the very first one choked it down, um, woke up the next morning, uh, passed out with no clothes on with markers and, uh, inappropriate things, uh, you know, written all over my face and body. And, you know, it was, uh, it was an ongoing joke. And so I, I remember it clear as day. And I remember, that feeling of remorse the very next, you know, it wasn't had one beer, nothing happened. Like, so I went down, fit in desperately passed out really, really quick. And they screwed with, you know, they, they had fun and we laughed and I was the butt of jokes for probably a whole year. Um, people would always tell that story, but you know, I, I, I rose up and I remember, in fact, I remember the first drink, and I also remember the very first conversation I had with myself alone saying, Jay, don't be a fool. Like, either don't drink and stay away from everyone or go in and and learn how to drink. And so I went down, conned someone into buying me a 12-pack because I was still underage that time. And mm-hmm. I sat in a park in the middle of the courtyard of the, of the university and just started drinking 12-packs and basically forcing myself because I thought this is what cool looks like. This is what everyone wants. And, you know, we sat down and played that very second night, uh, pretty much probably the same games. I sat in the same seat and ended up passed out in the same bed when, you know, with no clothes on again. So I certainly started here and, you know, kind of rose and, you know, then made it all the way to, to being that guy that, mm. you know, so miles and miles away from who I truly authentically was. But, you know, like if you ask people that that know me back in at university days, they'll they'll tell you what Jay is and Jay's this and Jay's that and Jay, you know, completely different, you know, Jay that I am now. <laughs> um, and alcohol and, and drugs probably took that away. But uh, I was I was whatever you wanted me to be back in university times. Um, and so. Mm you know, recovery alone, when I got sober in 2008, it was, you know, that miles of being who I authentically am. So it's been that journey. I I remember everything. I remember the first time stuff went up my nose and I drank and the internal conversations, um, the shame, the guilt, the loneliness, the anger, no real joy, no peace. Um, Interesting. I remember all that. Interesting, interesting. Because typically you you get something out of the the use. You 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 get a buzz. I remember in in my case a very positive experience. And in all fairness, um, we were a very different society in Germany. Uh, maybe I was lucky that I was in groups uh, of people throughout my teenager years and later on, which took care of each other. Um, when we were drinking in, in university times, I ended up often up being the guy who was looking after others who had too much. And I damn well make sure that I look after them. And, and you know, if it was a girl, make sure that she, her hair was back when she vomited kind of stuff, you know. Um, this is, we would not take a, a, any kind of advantage of a drunk person. That was just so not, not us. Um, so maybe I was very lucky or maybe unlucky because had I had such negative 
uh, connotations, negative feelings attached to it, maybe I would have not gone down. So if there was nothing positive for it, for you, what made you keep going back for more? Well, I mean, it, uh, you know, it, it, I was in the in crowd. I mean, people met, you know, knew my name, whether they, you know, knew me for, you know, negative connotation or whatever it may be like, I, you know, for a guy so desperate to get outside of self, it, you sure. know, anyone sure. calling my name is, um, so I think, I think you're exactly right. I mean, there, there wasn't uh, a positive kind of reward right at the end, mm. but you know, there was a lot of shame, but the people I was in the in crowd. I mean, I went from knowing okay. no one to, to a couple of days, like everyone knocking on my door. I mean, and, and again, I was the butt of jokes for the, we we talk about this. Like I remember just sitting around talking to the guys and even the, the ones I talked to today, you know, they still know me for those first couple of nights when I was passed out and, and they drew and, and so forth. So like I we joke even right after that, like I probably wouldn't have talked to you if if you weren't the one that was passed out. And, you know, so I think it, it in my twisted view, it uh mm. it be it, it yeah. allowed me to make friends and, and be popular and um I you hear know, you. It, I it hear you. Definitely it definitely took me outside of self. So mm. um I don't oh, remember I much about what was said. So I think that was the positive. Cool. Cool. No, that it makes sense, man. Uh this is this is this is at that moment in time, the alcohol gave you something. The alcohol actually uh provided a benefit. Uh often it is less pain. Uh, often there is something positive with it, but even just fitting in uh, for someone who is so uncomfortable with within their own skin is huge. And we can't underestimate that that uh, desire to belong into the in crowd or into any crowd for that matter. No, that's a really, really good good point you're making there. It doesn't need to be the extremes of of plus and minus. It can just be okay. Finally, I'm fitting into somewhere. Wow. Um, did the alcohol help you then throughout the studies? Did it? I mean, when you're constantly passed out, that typically doesn't make you the best student. Uh, <laughs> how did that continue? No, I mean, we sit here today, and there. I mean, the delusional. Like on paper, there was nothing but negativity that, that happened in my university days. Like the the grades were god awful on the verge of getting kicked out and and you know, weaving in and out, kind of, you know, making one last dash to take tests and, and grades, uh, just to stay, you know, the ability to to have my dad pay more money to co, you know, like I was I was a disaster. Um, you know, if you look at it on paper. There was nothing uh, good coming out of out of it, but you know you could you could tell me that I'm having the best year of my life, and mm. you know I think you know it, it's a domino effect, and you know here I'm thinking that this is my life, and you know if I'm if I'm throwing away you know a life, it's mine, and you know the my uh, family's ba- yeah. played a huge part, and so I think my family kind of just sat back and said let you know let Jay just kind of go find himself. They probably we're very disgusted and, you know, the stories and I was spending money and, you know, like they would get the letters and the grades and, you know, like Jay may not be invited back and just all this other stuff. And I mean, I threw away, I uh, got kicked out of, you know, school, got, you know, jumped around schools, uh, went to work for my dad. I mean, there, there was nothing, you know, positive, you know, but you could tell me like, I'm having the best life. I'm living life. I'm getting in a little bit of trouble. Um, but people love me. People scream my name. You know, it's, you know, I can go out and, and talk to the girls, um, which I couldn't do sober. And, you know, like, you know, when I'm, when I'm 20, 21 years old, like you, I could run into myself and not recognize, you know, who I was. Cause I was completely, uh, every, everything, everyone, every place that you wanted uh, that I thought you wanted me to be and trying to fit in, you know, I had the group of, of these and, the, you know, and spend one night that I'd go over to a whole new group and whole new sometimes bar. And so I had like 
seven different groups of friends that, yeah. you know, depending on whoever I wanted to do or what I could get from them, I could, I could fit in that group. I can go to that group, but you know, they never really mixed. And, um, you know, I was really busy being other people's characters and, uh, I was throwing my life away. So there was a negative, you know, looking back on it, we can say there's all negative, in the moment, I'm just telling you, like, I'm I'm living life. I may be you know, screwing up a little bit, but, uh, you know, there's, I thought I was mm. living life. Mm. So, you know, I thought I was happy as can be. For a young man, that is often enough a badge of honor. Um, this kind of behavior, this is not only expected, but also rewarded to a certain degree. And in your case, the reward was you fit into different crowds. Um of course, uh, often enough, you are the butt of the jokes, and um, that's 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 of course the the grading and the the not so nice part of it. Wow, um, were you studying already in advertisement, or what did what were you actually studying? So, uh, I mean, I was bouncing on marketing, and then um, I was I had aspirations of being a professional golfer and, and mm. playing golf or or teaching golf or something like that. And so there was a there was this healthy balance between you know golf and you know marketing and business management and uh, all number of different things. Uh, my dad had you know was, had his own little agency up back in Wisconsin, so that's what tipped me onto was with advertising. Uh, marketing so really anything creative and and golfing um if there could be drinking involved in it that that's really <laughs> all i was looking for at that point so yeah well, and, and that would have been the, the the 90s thereabouts uh and of course uh advertising and drinking that is uh, yeah <laughs> love and marriage basically um yeah. it goes along so you chose certainly not the driest of all, all professions amazing occupation an amazing <laughs> occupation if you if you had an addiction my goodness um okay so what happened why did you suddenly stop huh i you know everyone i think i really need to get an answer to that question because everyone wants to know well, how did you stay sober and how, you know because i you know i got sober through so I would take, I had plenty of opportunities with treatments and therapists and getting on planes and seeing, you know, world renowned, you know, whatever it may be. And, you know, life was good. Um, you know, I would, I would teeter to being top of my profession to almost homeless and everything in between. And, um, you know, there was, there was just everything. I mean, you, the law got in the way, the health issues got in the way, the family issues got in the way, the relationship issues got in the way, the, you know, personal, you know, it was, I was a dumpster fire. And so in, <laughs> in October, 2008, uh, I once again got arrested for uh, DUI. Uh, I was out in California living at the time. My middle brother was out in California at the time too. And um it, it was just one of those disastrous things and for whatever reason um you know i think somehow some way my the my middle brother got in touch with the the officer arresting officer they called or something and just said your son you know your your brother's being arrested we're going to take him to you know outside la county because this guy will you know i'm cause I'm running my mouth and because i'm i'm unstoppable and this guy's going to get killed if we drop him off the la county jail and so they took me north and all these different little things that that kind of, you know, angels on our shoulders. And my brother once again came out and, you know, bailed me out. And, you know, it, I had numerous other DUI arrests. And for whatever reason, uh, Los Angeles County didn't want to look at my record and thought it was just my first DUI. And um, so there was there was probably a good chance I was doing jail time. And so we just fast tracked it and. Um, you know, so we, it, it went down as my first DUI in California and, you know, when they finally got it fixed, I was in long-term treatment. Um, and so they finally said like, Hey, like if he stays in treatment, we'll, we'll, we'll knock it down. And so there's all these different things. Like I should have been in jail for 12 plus years with all the, all the stuff that, that I did and got caught and, you know, just a series of events, um, 
you know, so I just remember, I don't know what it was, but, you know, October 19th, 2008, I woke up that one day, um, just miserable and coming off another run and, you know, just looked around and there was nothing left in the apartment and there was nothing left in my life. And, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm just like, I still remember, I, I joke, but, you know, it's, uh, I said, well, if, if I needed, if I need to change God, like, you know, send a sign. And it wasn't about five minutes later, my mom knocked on the door and she's not, she doesn't even live in California or, or you know, and, and she, she was, she was, she was worried about me because I must have talked with her that night. And so she jumped on planes and, you know, and, uh, you know, I had the DUI arrest. And so they knew that my life was once again going south heavily. And so I think there was some fear that I was going to, you know, end it all and and just kind of do whatever. And so they, they got together and, you know, asked me to go to treatment, uh, you know, long-term place and, um, that was really, I knew, I didn't, I, I wasn't going to say it out loud, but there was a different feeling just in that conversation. I wasn't fighting. I wasn't acknowledging. I wasn't, you know, anything. I just said, yes, whatever. I mean, I remember just saying, yes, 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 yes. And, and that's completely unlike me. I need to state my case. I need to let people know how important I am. You know, I, I fight my family to saying like, Hey, I'm going to choose the place and all this, you know, so I was just, yes, 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 yes. We went and um, there was just something about it. There was a different feeling. Uh, I think I had finally come to the realization, like there, you know, if I wanted to continue living, like I, the way that I was doing it, uh, I wasn't going to live much longer. And I seriously thought that I was, you know, I should have been in jail. And so they still kept that hanging over my head. Um, and so I, you know, I'm, you know, I thought maybe I'd go to jail, maybe I wouldn't, but uh, it it definitely felt different from all the other times that I swore that I would I would stop, <laughs> and it did, and it stuck, and you know everything that that's happened since October '08 uh, has been a journey unlike any others. But uh, I don't know what it was in that October '08. I don't. I think it was just the. I think it was the perfect storm of the, you know, what they call sunlight of the spirit and, and my vulnerability meeting at the same time inside my heart and mm. knowing that I needed a change. And, uh, and then someone knocking on the door, someone who truly everything, everything, un yeah. unconditionally loves you. And mm. I think that's, that's where mummies and daddies have still got their role, regardless how, how old, their offsprings uh their litter is uh oh man oh man um uh, wow wow uh i'm so pleased for you that that you came to that point it took a lot of suffering probably with hansard um the but i remember that feeling of peace when you the first time surrender and when you the first time actually stop fighting and that is beautiful. That is a, a wonderful thing when you just accept that uh, it's time to change. But prior to that, uh, we are denying things. Denial is, is the, the hallmark of, of alcoholism, of addiction. 95% of people who drink dangerously or drink far too much will tell you on the, on the grave of their grandmother, nope, there's nothing wrong with me. And you, brother, and I, we were both in the same freaking boat, uh, despite the fact that the, the waves were crashing into the boat and there was heaps yeah. of holes in the boat. No, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I know it all. You you sound like me, man. Um, <laughs> far out. When you went into treatment, um, what kind of treatment was that? Well, it was inpatient uh, drug and alcohol treatment, uh, you know, uh, we stayed, you stayed, you know, nine, 10 months in, in one place wow. uh, instead of a ranch, ranch out in Texas. And for this uh, city surfer boy, like I, I mean, I was not a ranch guy or anything like that. I mean, it's still uh, in Dallas, Texas, just outside Dallas. I still live in Dallas, Texas uh, to this day. I mean, so there's a lot of things that are in play, um, but it was, it was designed. I mean, it was just everything. I mean, everything 
you know, when I look back, just lined up. I mean, there was, you know, if, if I would have went to a 30 day place, uh, I probably would not have, you know, stayed sober. If I would have went uh, somewhere else, uh, I probably wouldn't have stayed sober at the fancy places with the massages and all that. I mean, there was, I was surrounded by dogs and horses and stuff. So I didn't I mean, know that there was something, is something, is someone will give you a massage for bloody hell. Where's that? Yeah. Yeah. There are all kinds of them. So, <laughs> okay. Well, no, you're going into rehab to actually, first of all, stop drinking, get yourself through a withdrawal. Um, and mm -hmm. then you get your head screwed back on with the right guidance and with the right support from people who have been there done that and have vomited on the t-shirt and that is what a good rehab is all about um mm -hmm. we should we should talk about it very quickly for for the people listening out there um i've just done the the, the third edition of my steps to sobriety which is coming out probably by the time you have got we've got this interview going out uh it will be on the market and i've just reviewed basically the the different um rehabs that are out there and ultimately there you can there are so many different forms and different schools of thought um there is no one right no one wrong um there's the classic 28 days one month and the only reason that it is that time frame because that traditionally was uh, the, the maximum that an insurance company would have paid for so therefore, that's where 28 weeks, uh, 28 days come from, comes from. Mm -hmm. So that doesn't mean to say that everyone has to be sober by 28 days. So what you're saying is so 100% true. At the same token, you can make a hell of a lot of advance in 28 days yeah. um, or or three weeks. Uh, I know and a, a, um, a rehab uh, here which uses different methodology um, and and uh, is is getting successes with that. So. Having said that, um, if you have been a staunch drinker, well, I'm sorry, the first week and maybe two weeks are not so nice because that's called withdrawal. Did you have withdrawals? Did you have did you have a bit of a rough time coming off? Uh, I mean, I, I don't think it was all that bad. I mean, I, I it's it wasn't the worst one that I had, and it wasn't. Uh, I was just. I think it had a lot. I mean, I was beaten down. I was. I was broken. I was in mil, mil, literally millions of different pieces, and so like there was actually a feeling of, uh, I, you know, I deserve this and and so forth. So I, I don't remember the detox being all that, uh, no. all that much. No. Um, Good. I, good. I just remember. I remember being shattered um, and exactly. knowing that it's going to take a while for for me to even close to be back together. But uh, you know, yeah. my my head, like you said, was was screwed on straight. Like it was still crooked for <laughs> several more months after. I mean, oh, I was yeah. I was looking out out of my ear holes sometimes, uh, yeah. but staying sober, and that's all it took. So. Yeah. I mean, I was I was four weeks in rehab. Uh, my rehab was very structured. Uh, it started with regular habits, i.e. eating and uh, getting up in the morning. But then my day was covered with sessions um, with uh, really powerful, insightful, beautiful work, recovery work. Um, when you say you've been nine months on the range, uh, on the ranch, um, and, uh, I certainly have spoken to one of my fellow inmates. She was nine months on a ranch. Um, she was basically slave labor. They picked peppers and cucumbers and whatever else for the whole of the week. And then on Saturday morning, they had two hours of what they called rehab. <laughs> so hang on, hang on. So <laughs> yeah, that's apples and oranges. How was your ranch life? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, it was, uh, I guess, I gotta say beautiful after hearing that story. I mean, we, uh, this was a typical, uh, you know, come, you know, Texas ranch. And so you woke up, uh, you had, you had morning chores that you had to do before, uh, you know, you had breakfast, you cook, there was no chef, but hmm. so you cook breakfast and, and lunch and, you know, group started at, eight, at, at 9am went through like 4pm. So you're in group nice. majority of the day. And then, um, you know, one night a week, you're cooking for the whole community. And for a guy that, that all he could do was make reservations. Uh, I learned how to even cook. Uh, <laughs> you know, the biggest thing, you know, they taught us a morning routine, and they taught us an evening routine, and they exactly. taught us life skills. 
and they got us a lot of groups. I mean, we were certainly not slave. I mean, this was this was a true rehab in every aspect of the world. Nice, and, nice. Um, nice. Yeah. So it's yeah, it's it's stuff but, that we that I still take today. Absolutely, I couldn't agree more. And what you uh, what uh, stood out in your story there, they taught you life skills. And that's so important because often enough, we run through life and we somehow make do. But there are so many people who do not, uh, well, not able to cook, who wouldn't know how a kitchen garden looks like, uh, and so on, who don't know how to balance a, a checkbook, uh, and so on, and so on. It is so important. There's so many skills that you actually have to, to learn to even live, not just make huge successes but actually live oh i love it i absolutely love it and the habits that people instill in you because you have got habits <laughs> they're just all the wrong ones <laughs> yes <Yeah, so laughs> the ones that yeah. are probably dragging um, you more to your old life <laughs> a lot of us could cook certain things that were not healthy but we couldn't uh -huh. cook like a healthy meal like you know it, it was it was the ongoing joke about like a lot of us were were manufacturing like illegal substances and doing it very well and had it like highly organized. And then, you know, you tell us to cook a meatloaf and, and mashed potatoes <laughs> for the community. And you're like, what? I, I don't know what that means. And so it was, it was, you know, it was Excellent. the ongoing joke. A lot of times it was, you know, we cooked a lot, but it wasn't, you know, you didn't want to eat any of the things. So. <laughs> Oh, priceless. <laughs> From meth cook to chef. Yeah, that's going to be me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. excellent. I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of you. Uh, I don't think I want to try your, your earlier uh, <laughs> things. <laughs> no, you don't. You, know, you oh, might end up in jail or dead. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. But then again, you were a lucky boy because that was all the time that was basically prior to 2008. Um, so it was still the time of OxyContin. It was still the time of basically not as much adulteration of substances, uh, not as not like the scourge of, of the fentanyls, the car fentanyl and whatever kind of shit now is on the market um, that kills scores of people. Um, my goodness. Where I mean, whenever there are drugs involved, I mean alcohol is one thing. When the drugs get involved, gangs get get involved. Um, how did you keep yourself safe? How did you did you or did you become part of a gang? No, I mean, uh, I I wanted to say that I was this bad you know guy and so forth. Uh, you know, alcohol for me was was majority, and then some other things. And mm. there's some. There's some stories. I mean, there, you know, I got shot at and got hit in the ankle on a ricochet. Um, you know, I got some other things. I got ran over um, by a car, but nothing happened because I was under the influence. I mean, little exactly. stuff like this <laughs> that are miracles. And I just, I brushed right by and like, oh, yeah. How, may, how many guardian angels did you go through? <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know what? When I go up and see the pearly gates, I think that, you know, the God or, you know, whoever in charge of the pearly gates is going to be like, you know, we, you had, you owe us, you know, overtime because we put like a hundred extra, <laughs> you know, angels on, on just you. Um, oh, wow. You know, it's, it, and, you know, that's, you, we sit here today and, and I, I love talking about the past. I mean, it's, you know, the, those guardian angels, and there are so many times when I thought, like, why, why? Like, there, it would have been so much easier if I would have just died, if I would have done yeah. this, or if the gun was, you know, you know, pointed, you know, six inches up, you know, yeah. like I probably wouldn't be here. Or the, you know, the the car, like, if, you know, ran right here, and if it's up here and crushed my head, I'm, you know, like, there was a lot of like, why, 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 and you know, to sit here laughing with you talking about you know hope and, and freedom and it's like it, it it brings me back i love talking about it because it just is a grateful reminder like there is a reason why it all you know it, i certainly probably had more angels than a lot of people um you know but for whatever reason there's a story to be told and my story hasn't ended yet and maybe it ends tonight but up until this point i went from wasting my life and letting other people you know write my life story yeah. until like in 2008 like it it honestly was uh you know taking the pen you know 
away from everyone's hands and owning the pen and starting to write my own life story. And that's the biggest, you, you say, what's the difference is it's like when I started owning my story, instead of being ashamed of my story and, yeah. you know, yeah. You and I can talk and we can laugh about, you know, all the angels and all the, you know, cooking of, of illegal substances. And sometimes I, I tell that to people at a dinner table or they're like, what, what? You know, and, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, sh you know, I should yeah, have yeah, said yeah. that. I apologize. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm open oh. with anyone, uh, oh. you know, but yeah, we were, I was, I, I think I'm probably owed uh, a big invoice when, when I get up to the pearly um, gates because I think I, it, I sent some angels over time. Absolutely. Having said that, I want to suggest to you a different image. Um, I think someone saw a lot of um, a lot of uh, how would you say that? I'm now lacking the right word. Promise, I guess. Someone saw a lot of promise mm. in you. And if there is a God, I'm not so sure about that. But if there is a God, it, they might have just invested significant time because they knew that by persevering and by investing in that project, they will create a beacon of hope. They will create a beacon of light that maybe will just shine strong enough to get into the darkness of others. Because that's really what you are. You have you have been outspoken. You have been incredibly transparent. You have been honest, which honors me hugely. Because one of the biggest things that we do in in, in addiction is we hide. We we are we are just we are written by shame and guilt. Hide our behavior. And you and I have made a promise to ourselves and we to to change our life to actually share our suffering to share those kind of insights that that we had to learn the hard way um, so that others maybe get the hope and the help that they need. And I think that is so beautiful. That for that, I'm proud. I'm not, not proud of, of some of the things I maybe have done in the past. That's a different story. But without that, um, I wouldn't be the man who I am today. And I'm by far not, not perfect. <laughs> Let's not even go there. Um, <laughs> that's yes. I'm I'm work in progress. Okay. Yeah. Men at work, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, but no, that's beautiful. I mean, so there you yeah. were. How you were nine months on the range there. Um, that I say range because I like uh, shooting. Yeah, no, you did. Ranch, yeah. ranch. Range, um, ranch, whatever it is. It was out of nowhere. I mean, it was, it was out of nowhere, nonetheless. Oh, uh, and but then what? So where was the money coming in from that at that time? I mean, such a facility is not cheap. I mean, they were what? I mean, I paid twenty twenty seven thousand for a month. Um, so you did nine months. Well, that's a whole family home. Yeah. Thank you, mom and dad. Uh, mm. you know, they, you know, it's, yeah, yeah, there's, I would not have been, I mean, who knows, who knows what the story would have, would have been written like, but, uh, you know, my mom and dad, you, you, you talk about the promise, you talk about seeing the potential, uh, my mom and dad were always in the front row when it comes to mainly my mom. Um, she she believes that there's something above us and she loves them uh, and preaches and still sends me daily emails every single morning. But, you know, so she was she was praying extra hard. Um, she took it personal. She questioned her parenting style and whatever it may be. So but of course. They, they were on the first row. And, you know, if I needed anything, um, you know, and, and it was two or three years after I, was, I remember sitting around a Thanksgiving table, um, you know, with my whole family and, you know, I'm uncle fun at that point. Cause I got five, I got four nephews and a niece and two, you know, they're all, so I got this big family that, that, you know, have never seen me do anything other than my brothers and my mom and dad. And somehow we, we started talking about how much that they spent on my treatment and, you know, like there's, there's some shame that crept in and, you know, uh, there was, you know, whatever. And I, I still remember my dad said, I don't, I don't remember the, the, the total amount, but it was worth every single penny to have him right here today in the position. And, and that, that gives, still gives me goosebumps, you know, talking about it, but that in itself, when I heard that from my dad, 
who values money and was, you know, somewhat successful, obviously. But, you know, for him to say it was absolutely, it was worth every single penny for what, what I, when I'm looking at today. And that was, that was three years sober. And, you know, that, that conversation and that, those goosebumps are, mm. that was three years sober and it's, it's projected into coming up on 15 years sober here. And that's in probably two weeks. Um, so that, that conversation, you know, we always talk about what, you know, the, the conversations, you know, that got you sober or something that was at a crucial time. Like I still didn't know what I was going to do with my life. I still, I was three years sober. I was like folding, you know, shirts, um, you know, still kind of getting supported by my dad through, um, rent and stuff. Cause I couldn't afford a lot, but you know, he just said like, stay sober, keep doing what you're doing. I had an incredible accountability group, a group of, mm. I call them old timers and, you know, old crabby guys that I love dearly. And, you know, they, they held me accountable. They, they just, they taught me what it looked like to be a, you know, show up in, in recovery and show up for other people. And, but I was, I was on, I mean, I didn't really know much of anything. Like life really didn't take on new meaning. I just knew that my life was different, but I didn't really, I still was getting connected with myself. I was still good, you know, finding all kinds. And then I, we, you know, that conversation just hit like it's worth every penny. And I remember it was just Thanksgiving and just this, this wave of it's going to be all right. It's going, there's something about like, um, and it propelled me and like right around that time, um, I started going back and getting, you know, life coach certified and recovery coach certified and intervention certified. And, you know, I became fascinated with how people think. And I became just hmm. overwhelmed with, you know, what we were doing. And, you know, we were losing people. Uh, we continue to lose people, more and more people as as the years are gone. And hmm. so it was right about that time when I just I remember saying, like, there's only one thing that really gets my my soul jumping and that's to help other people that are less fortunate or whatever it was. Um, and so I, I started working at a treatment center right about that time. Um, got hired on the spot at a treatment center, fell in love with doing some you know, commu community groups and taking people and sitting down with them, uh, sitting down with people that are in detox and, you know, saying you don't have to live like this. And I just became fascinated and just loved it. And, it wasn't even a job and, you know, little stuff like that. You'd always hear like, find something that doesn't feel like a job. And I'm just like, how's that's insane. Like it's always going to feel like a job. And then you start working in this treatment center and they're like, Jay, you got to go home. Like you got too much overtime. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, I, I clocked out five hours ago. I'm not, I just want to do, you know, and I'm doing it on my free time. Cause I'm just passionate. Cause there's a line of people that won't let me leave even they just want to steal five minutes of my time and so you know i get off at three and i'm still there at like 7 30 just kind of, you know sitting down with guys and you know i walking out like i don't you know you're you're elevating i mean you're on this pink cloud and you know finally it hits you like oh you know this is what they mean by find something that doesn't feel like a job so um and it's you know living that living my life every day since then it was you know I, I love these. I mean, I'm just grateful to have these conversations with with another person. So, I mean, thank you for for striking chords within me because, like, any all these questions, you know, my mind races. Uh, and so, to tr to pick one of the five things racing through my head, to tell you, is, but it, it it's striking all the right chords. <laughs> but it is a calling, isn't it? And I think that is that is when you go when you look at the the twelve step program, for example, uh, it 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 just describes basically a start that the first three ones are really giving in and realizing that you need help and then you go through this journey like a hero's journey in a in a film and you come out at the end at step 12 and step 12 is giving back step 12 is, is about um having had such an amazing journey that now you can't shut up and actually tell others about it um and that is the beautiful thing. And I guess that is that is where we, where I feel we, the successful ones among us, should have a feel a, a call of duty 
to go out there and speak up and uh, be maybe there as a as an example um making living amends you don't have to speak out you don't have to shout out from the rooftops hey i'm an addict uh no but you can just uh show integrity authenticity all the, the leadership skills that you could read in any good book well that's really what would describe you and my life now yeah, from now and then we fall off the path and we sort of meander a little bit. But ultimately, um, because of our past, we typically find much easier back to the to the center. Um, I mean, I say fall off the path doesn't mean to say that you snore a line of cocaine or that you get seriously pissed, but you might fall into the same traps with cross addiction. So this time you're amazingly going for the sugar and there's not enough cheesecake in this world. Um, and it is and that's still something I'm struggling with. Um, it is, uh, it is, uh, when I'm full of stress and I eat something, I go, ah, oh, thank you. Um, so it's that kind of a thing. So cross addiction is, is a very real thing for, I think many of us, uh, it just so happens that you, Jay and I know about it and have experienced it and recognize what is happening at that moment in time, whilst many others have no clue. Um, and again, here we are talking about it honestly and it's beautiful because we can do we can do things we have we can establish habits we can take little actions every single second because we've got all the same amount of seconds in our life um it is or in our shall i say in our day um how many days we have uh, that's a completely different story um but um we have got opportunities that are there any one moment and we can choose what we do and that is a very powerful thing even if your life is shit and you feel like a victim now you can still have take back the power you can still take back control and that's exactly what you have been saying earlier jay you are nowadays living a life that is absolutely absolutely focused and intentional uh in not in a, in a in a pressured or negative way but in a positive way um, you, you are taking action. Give us some examples. What makes your day nowadays very different to the days that you had experienced, let's say, as a younger man? Well, I think I take I take I take Jay out of it uh, most of my days, and sometimes you know you talked about cheesecake <laughs> and, and all that. I mean, like I still uh, sometimes buy something when I when I'm feeling down or I call that girl when I'm feeling down that I have no business talking to or, or, you know, cheesecake. But, you know, for the most part, like I have a, I have a pretty routine day, um, somewhat boring day. A lot of people, you know, would, would joke that and and that's, that's unheard of for me because I'm, I'm not organized in the least, but, you know, to wake up and do the same thing every single morning and, you know, research and look into, you know, better ways to get connected with your thoughts and your minds and uh -huh. slowing my mind down and, you know, getting outside of self and, and, you know, embracing the present moment, which is unheard of for me because I've always been a big picture guy. And, um, you know, it's, it's just little small habit changes that, that would mean the world to me. So if you, if you're comparing the two, it's, it's night and day, quite frankly. And, you know, when, you know, I get on that phone and or sit down with a session or I talk with you or talk with, you know, someone else, it's just to be fully present and to be, you know, authentically communicating and not already have the response, you know, in the, in the holster and not, you know, try to get something out of that person, you know, so, you know, we, I live very selfish and self-centered like, you know, it, it says in, in one of our books and, you know, that was exactly me. And, you know, just the fact that, you know, you have a family that calls and that desperation or that client's desperation, or you sit down with someone that you're going through the work with in the book, uh, that desperation and, or you have, you know, just a number of different things, like uh, from the meetings to the calls to the morning routine to the evening routine. And, you know, I'm still, I still think about me a lot. Um, you know, went from thinking about Jay 100% in the old days to probably, you know, 91%. You know, I, I made 9% change, but I mean, to me, that's night and day. We joke, but, um, you know, to get outside of self and, and just to, you know, morning meditation, evening, 
you know, reviews has been, you know, little stuff that I thought was just the childish things that I go through and preach to people that, that I counsel or, or, you know, talk with or work with. And, and so it's, my day is, is, uh, it's just feels normal. Like if you look at it, like people that don't know me is like, you have a really routine day. Like you do the same thing and you never really sleep in on the weekends. And, you know, it's like, yeah. I, it doesn't, it doesn't register because like I get up and I instantly go do certain things. Like I don't even think, thank God, because my mind's not even, you know, able to trick me saying like, no, 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 stay in bed. No, 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 go do, you know, so nice. it's just nice. automatic. Um, and, nice. and to do those things and, and stay in the present. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's tremendously night and day. I, I, yeah. I mean, night and day is actually an insult to like, I lived hungover, you know, high and selfish to, you know, scared to death paralyzed with fear and getting into recovery is new opportunities and like a, a like 15,000 doors anytime you wake up I mean like just pick a door um and walk through it and know that you like the sky's the limit for you it's like if you take away if you have some change your thoughts change and habit changes and you know start you know getting away from the things that are negatively impacting like they always told me, like if you get sober, you you'd have a life beyond your wildest dreams. And I always wanted to give the middle finger to them mm-hmm. and say, like, n- there's no chance. And they're they're underselling it. A, a life beyond your wildest dreams. It's like literally anything you want to do, go do. Um, and there's nothing holding me back. So I, I'm grateful for that. Hundred percent agreed. Hundred percent agreed. But uh, often enough, people sort of uh, say, "What a bullshit." Um, and uh, I call a little bit bullshit to both your and my story as well, because there are not always days that that are like that. Um, do I still have anxiety attacks or waves of anxiety washing over me? Most definitely, because life is not pretty. Uh, life is full of challenges, and sometimes the challenges can just mount to one tsunami of shit heading your way. What do you do when when you can't even think straight because you're so ratty and so full of adrenaline and cortisol washing over you? So I just get, I mean, I get outside of self and I mean, I pick up a phone and, and tell like, I, you know, I, my thoughts are, are, are just dangerous. I mean, quite frankly, still probably to this day. And so I've really gotten in the habit of you know, luxury of working for myself, I guess, uh, you know, I have a staff that probably thinks that their boss, like, thinks is, you know, probably serious needs to be in a mental hospital or something. But so those, those times when I'm having thoughts, like I, I hopefully have felt it coming on. There's times I get paralyzed with fear. There's times I get, you know, red in the face full of resentment. And, you know, there's, there's quickly, opportunities to exit all that and that's just talking through more often than not than when it hits public air um and get it out and see like god i, I sound like such an idiot for bringing this up i mean the mm-hmm. the fear and the paralyzed of, of fear and the shame and the loneliness and the resentments and mm-hmm. whew, you know i i get all that um absolutely still paralyzed to, with fear um and you know but you know for me is i I, I rarely stay in it. I rarely, rarely do I, you know, sit in resentment or fear. Like I'm picking up the phone a lot. Um, you know, I, mm. I think I have, I hopefully I have unlimited minutes, you know, because I use <laughs> a lot and I just pick up the phone and, you know, I'll call a newcomer, I'll call an old timer. It doesn't matter. Um, you know, cause that's what, that's what it was taught to me. And, you know, they, they had me, you know, call five people every single day. You can't call the same five people two days in a row, which is unheard of. I thought it was impossible, but you know, for someone that's that's wrapped up in self, like that was that was pretty much the day I got out of treatment. I already had my sponsor, and he was a crabby old man, and so he had these little rules like call five people every single day, make yourself available, uh, give of yourself, volunteer somewhere, um, and I I still do those same thing all you know all the time and what i would never have guessed calling the five people got me in this habit of going through and so um you know it's 
to call five people. Like I was just joking. Like I, I was, you know, someone I'm working with taking through the book. And I said, I need you to call five people every single day. He's like, that's impossible. There's no way you do that. And I said, it's 9 a.m. And I'm already on seven people, you know, so it, it is possible, you know, so, and I think you, you're right. There's, there's really bad days, um, you know, but I come from the mindset, like, let's try to get into bad moments, not bad days and turn it around. And, um, you know, when I, when I'm overwhelmed, I'm picking up the phone and if they don't answer, I'm, you know, and so I, the people have gotten to know me pretty well. Like if I don't leave a message, they know that they don't have to call me back, you know? So, cause I'll just go down the line. Like, uh, I got a folder in my phone that I'll just click on and I'll just go down the list. Boom. You know, Oh, he's not picking up. And then boom. You know, Oh, finally. And you know, sometimes it's seven or eight down the list, but, um, and sometimes they were like, Oh, you know, Jay, you know, someone texts me saying that you've been calling everyone. I'm just glad it got to me. And, you know, we can just run through it. And more often than not, it's this delusional thought, you know, process. There's this delusional, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes it's real. And sometimes there's really needs to action needs to be taken. But, you know, a lot of that fear, anxiety, depression, resentment, uh, I, I, I know can't if I continue letting it roll downhill, like it's going to take over me. And so I get really scared enough that when I, when I first start feeling it, I reach out almost, you know, I could be in the middle of a vacation. I could be in the middle of anything. Um, I've been, in, I've been in the middle of meetings with staff or clients mm. and sometimes, you know, uh, excuse myself just to kind of have this, you know, run through my thought process and, and get back to being centered. So Wow. Wow. That is beautiful. That is beautiful. Because the, the opposite to addiction is connection. And you are absolutely not you're walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Wow. That is that is strong. Wow. Jay, you're an amazing man. Um, wow. Well, thank you. My mom agrees with you. <laughs> and please, can you give your mom a huge hug from me? Because honestly, well, <laughs> how old is I, she now? I, you know, anyway, if this is on social media or anywhere, yeah. uh, I'm sure my mom will watch. She's, she watches every single thing that, oh. that I come across. So, uh, hey, mom, you, uh, I'm going to send you my love and my <laughs> energy and my gratitude for what you have done. Because it's those acts of, of love that 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 disarm you as an addict disarm you as a when you're when the time is right such a simple act of love a hug can go so far and this is beautiful so you know hate the addiction love the addict um i think that is that is where we all can be there for others and just by us being there showing up um, and maybe living a life of integrity and living a life where we show that, yeah, okay, this is the real me, warts and all, um, that is powerful. With that, we can we can lead by example. We can just show, hey, this is this is me on a good day. Um, yes, there will be bad days too, but hey, this is you know, um, if you like what you see, come along on the path. And if you want to know a little bit more, well, we have a coffee and we're going to have a chat. Uh, so no, it's brilliant. Oh, Jay, wow. So uh, where is Jay going? Who is Jay going to be in a year's time? Whew. Uh, <laughs> Superman, maybe. I don't. I mean, um, you know what? Uh, you know, I, my my credo to anyone that I work with is get one percent better each and every day. I mean, nice. you don't have to get two percent, ten percent, a hundred percent because, like, we like if you ask me, I want to get a hundred percent better every single day. And when I started just saying, Jay, just do one percent, you know, yeah. and I can do one percent. Um, yeah. so in a year, um, you know. Hopefully, three hundred sixty-five percent better. I mean, from where <laughs> I'm at, but uh, um, I just know it's going to be an incredible ride. I mean, there mm. I couldn't tell you uh, six months ago where I'll be. Um, you know, I just I'm grateful for this, and I'm grateful for the opportunity, and you know, just to have you know, 
we we talked about a lot of t- topics. And I mean, and the reaching out for help is almost villainized sometimes. Like it's like thrown out there, um, like you're weak and that you need to do it on all on your own. And so any opportunity that I get that you're doing each and every week or all these podcasts and, you know, we need to, we need to promote it more. We need to promote those people speaking up and, um, you know, because there's people out there that still believe that I, I can't reach out because I need to do this all on my own. I, I can't cry because grown men don't, you know, you don't cry. All these delusional myths that we have been growing up. And, you know, if you reach out for help, uh, if you get vulnerable, it's actually the, the, the greatest sign of strength to me. And, you know, the people in, in long-term recovery, they're everywhere. They're not in some secret basement. They're, you know, they're in governments. They're in Fortune 500 companies. Yeah. They're in everywhere and so i just appreciate people like you that are are going in front of a microphone and and a video camera and and letting people know like they're you know it's all right a it's all right to be you because you're you know you're supposed to be unique and you're you know born and original and it's all right to reach out for help and you know be that person that you know doesn't judge and and will always take a phone call because that's where it starts is be that guy that someone reaches out like there's no better feeling I pick up the phone all the time and reach out, but you know, I still, I still get the biggest smile on my face when someone calls me and says, Hey, Jay, do you have a second? I just want to like run through my day. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't care if I'm meeting the president, I, I would, I probably would shush the president and go talk to this person <laughs> on the phone. Cause I think that's the biggest, the thrill. And I don't ever want to be that someone that says like, you know, I'm busy you know, call someone else like, you know, yeah, there's times when, you know, I won't pick up the phone unless I'm willing to talk. I, I can't, I'm never going to pick up the phone and be like, I'm busy. I can't talk, you know, bye. So if I pick up, I need to be fully present. I need to understand that it may be a long conversation. Nice. People like if I'm on a date or something and people in my life have to get used to all that. Um, but yeah, if there's, if I pick up the phone, I know I got to be present, but, uh, you know, keep doing what you're doing. Keep, I can't say that enough because, yeah, I, for a long, long time, I didn't want to reach out for help or I thought of going to treatment was a consequence or, or reaching out uh, for help was a sign of weakness. Hmm. Uh, let's debunk those. And you're doing that each and every podcast. And so I, I say, hmm. keep doing it. You got a new follower and whatever <laughs> we can do together or whatever I can do to help you out because, you know, we need to because there's we're losing people. You you said it yourself with fentanyl, and um, we're losing people at an all time you know rate. And these are young kids that yeah. you know their life even hasn't even started, and they're making one or two bad choices, and it's Correct. ending their lives. So uh, let's do something. I mean, let's let's come together as communities and mm-hmm. let's raise awareness. So I just I like thank that. you for raising the awareness. Thank you very, very much, Jay. Look, if if people gel with what you're saying, where can they find you? Um, where where can they go to learn more about you? Reach out. I mean, Sober Caddy on on all social media uh, outlets. So just type in Sober Caddy. I'm sure I'll pick up. It's a unique name. Or if you want to go to SoberCaddyCreativeAgency.com, uh, there's a contact uh, form. I still get those each and every day. So it's not my assistant. It's not anyone. Mm-hmm. I still get a kick out of watching and reading people. So uh-huh. if you need any guidance, re- resources, any just need to vent, um, you know, because getting it in the public air is such you know powerful thing. I, I would love to read it, help you. Um, anything on social media, sober caddy. Um, I would love to reach. I mean, just anything I can do, you know, um, let's work Beautiful. together. And I love hearing it. I love it. Look down there, guys, into the description of the YouTube video or into the description of the podcast because all the details are there. Just yeah, click on it, check him out. Uh, maybe get in touch because what have you got to lose? Um, there is, there is, you're just one action away from changing your life. And may I say, you have already done so. You have already listened to this podcast. You have watched this video till now. Wow. You have taken massive action already. Cool. So what's the next one? What's the next step that you can take to actually uh, keep going on that trajectory? Keep going and and 
feeling thirsty for more, thirsty for change, thirsty for for whatever the life is waiting to give to you. And there will be a lot of beautiful things waiting. So, Jay, thank you so much for for being the man you are. Thank you very much for coming as a guest on my show. You you made me think a lot. You made me reflect today a lot. Um, that went deep for me, and it's beautiful. For for that, I'm I'm very very grateful. Well, you're an amazing soul, and I'm just a small piece. Like, like, and, and subscribe to this guy's podcast. This guy uh, is truly amazing. He's making a difference. So cool. uh, exactly. keep doing it. And, and I'm just, thanks for, <laughs> for allowing me to be a small part. Cool. And you guys out there, look after yourself and, and live with passion. Bye. <laughs> I never give up. I never give up. I never give up. Turn around.